Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast presented by Esports Network. I'm Mitch Reeves. This podcast is an awesome interview that I did with Che Chow. He's Ubisoft's new Senior Director of Esports. The interview goes over his transition from the Hearthstone Esports Department at Blizzard over to Ubisoft, the Rainbow Six Esports scene, that's Ubisoft's crown jewel, the Season 9 Pro League Finals, which kick off this weekend in Milan. What separates Rainbow Six Esports from different FPS titles like CSGO, Call of Duty, and even Overwatch. And how Rainbow Six Siege has developed over the years. Released in 2015, it has grown very continuously over the last four to five years to now being probably one an esport in the range of the six to ten in terms of viewership well-known popularity. It's not one of that top-tier esports yet, but it's climbing and it's approaching that category quickly. We also talk about how Rainbow Six was really the originator of the unique operator in the first-person shooter genre. So that's something a lot of esports have used in the time since, Overwatch being one of the more notable ones, but Black Ops 4 has also used different operators that have different abilities. And most recently, Apex Legends, using that format and bringing it to Battle Royale. So yeah, we cover all those different things in this podcast with Shay, and without further ado, let's get right into the interview. Now I'm joined by Shay Xiao, the Senior Director of Esports at Ubisoft. Shay, thank you for joining me on this podcast. My pleasure, dude. Hi. So previously, you worked at Blizzard running Hearthstone Esports, and now you come over to Ubisoft to help her out with the Rainbow Six Pro League. And right now, this is a preview before the Pro League Season 9 Finals. How has that transition been over to Ubisoft over the last couple months? Um, well, first of all, I think that just as a, uh, as a company culture, Ubisoft and Activision Blizzard could be more different. And so that's been very interesting um, coming over here. Um, you know, I... For me, uh, what I love about Ubisoft is one, they have a, a vastly diverse studio culture. Um, you know, Anthony can speak to exactly how many studios we have, but we have many around the world. So it's been really interesting meeting um, you know, different devs and their different points of view on um, not just esports, but on design and development in general. Um, so it's, that's been really cool. I, you know, uh, I also, you know, my my roots. Are, and I, I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh, you came from Hearthstone, the card game. Now you're on the shooter. But you know, I've uh, I spent a, quite a while uh, on the, in the Halo Studio 343, where I was uh, director of esports uh, for Halo as well. And so, um, and I so I've been kind of um, doing. Uh, so I started with basically shooters, and you know, and my passion has been shooters for a long time. So it's been it's been a bit of a homecoming coming back to something like Rainbow. Um, that's you know, that's growing, has such a vibrant community and a vibrant scene, uh, such a passionate fan base. So it, it's been really awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, I love Hearthstone. I'm a huge uh, Hearthstone fan. I think I have more hours in that game than any other, but I also have love for shooters. So I really do see the crossover between the two. Yeah, and, you know, uh, for me, like, there's, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of underlying... Um, things that you can just learn about esports and community in general, regardless of whatever the genre of the game is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, lessons that I've learned over at Blizzard, which were many, you know, I really, really appreciate my time there. Like, uh, you know, bringing that over 
to this scene and bring that over to my team and this program, you know, I think experience is experience, and it doesn't really matter what the genre is. I think esports has universal principles, you know, best practices, and I think those those are the things that are still applicable. Definitely, I, I absolutely agree with that. So right now you're at the Season 9 Rainbow Six Pro League Finals. Set the stage for me a little bit. Where What's going on around you? Uh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still, oh. I, I, I'm, I'm heading out there this weekend. But, uh, you know, it's our, uh, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the Pro League Finals being managed by um, our European team. So, uh, you know, I, I manage the North American, North, Central, South American side of things. Uh, our European counterparts manage the European and uh, Asia kind of parts of the world um, and so this event is uh, is basically their production that they're putting together um, our teams talk every week to stay aligned to the global level but uh, I'm really looking forward to Milan uh, I, you know I, I've seen I've seen the venue uh, I've seen the venue that they're proposing uh, and they're setting up and it's beautiful um, you know it's good it's a very sort of a classic environment um, yeah, it's not it's, it's actually a little bit um, not a traditional esports kind of a setup, which is kind of cool. You know, sort of the venue is very different than your typical stadium. Um, and, and for me, you know, uh, as my second Rainbow Six event, uh, I, I went to the Six Invitational uh, back in uh, February. But uh, as my second Rainbow event, you know, I, I'm just really looking forward to um, kind of feeling uh, just the incredible energy that um, that I felt the, that the last time. You know, I mean, haven't been to um, you know, Blizzard events and Halo events in the past, like nothing really quite felt like what I felt like at the Six Invitational, um, and the sort of the, the amazing passion to the fans there, just uh, sort of the waves and waves of it. And like, uh, I'm really looking forward to experiencing that again in Milan. Um, you know, and obviously um, rooting for uh, hopefully uh, the North American teams to uh, to do well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I haven't had a chance to attend an R- a Rainbow Six event yet, but you're right. Looking at the or watching them on Twitch and seeing the highlights, it does look like it just has a really unique and energetic atmosphere. Yeah, it's something you know, and it's um, it's Rainbow's a really weird animal because it's um, you know at the at the end of the day, it's a um, it's a very hardcore tactical shooter uh, that has incredibly high skill ceiling and. Um, but then when you look at the community and you look at the, um, the tone of the community and the sentiment and how they express themselves and who they are, you know, it, it's actually very diverse and it's very, um, it's very open and, and warm. So it's, uh, you know, for me, like coming in as sort of a newcomer to Rainbow and to Ubi, like it was, um, it was kind of eye-opening to see that like, wow, you know, this is not, um, this is not like what I've seen from your typical shooter communities. And you know, this is um, so that the, the way they're engaged and, and the passion that they have for this game, just sort of at that fan level, um, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. And and I, and I come from some games with some really crazy passionate fans. And so um, Rainbow is just really unique in that sense. And, um, and the other thing I love about it too is, um, you know, as, as Rainbow has developed as a new sport, um, the dev team has done a remarkable job of evolving the game aesthetics and sort of the, the tone of the game itself to um, to continue to be more accessible and more more friendly uh, and and just more diverse. So uh, you see that in the diversity of all the different operators that they've introduced. You know, forty plus operators. Uh, you see that in sort of the designs of the 
characters, you know, going from a bit more serious sort of military look to now kind of being like really almost literally like a, a rainbow coalition where um, it, they're, they're a bit more fantastic. They're um, obviously playing into a lot of the fictional uh, tropes with their uh, organizations. You know, I think I just really like um, what the team has been able to do with um, and play around with the themes and, and sort of the characters and the motivations and the lore behind these um, these operators. So to me, I, it's, it's a very interesting, it's almost as if, you know, uh, every few months we're introducing new heroes or new, you know, uh, mm-hmm. legends into our game. And it's like, uh, I, I really like that we're leaning into that aspect. Yeah, the Rainbow Six operators are super interesting and something that other FPS games in the same genre have begun adapting after with the new Black Ops has operators and then Apex Legends, of course, using operators in a unique way. And Rainbow Six was really the the originator of that sort of style in the tactical FPS space. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think, but that's always, um, I think it's interesting what you, that you mentioned that because, um, you know, from the outset, uh, especially talking to the, um, the, the game team that I've arrived, like, uh, you know, it's, what I've learned is that, that uh, they started, it's always kind of what they wanted to do from the start, right? Like, um, if you think about Rainbow Six, it, it's kind of, it's remarkable in that, um, you know, close to four years ago now, um, the dev team in Montreal, they, they really went out on a limb and they took one of Ubisoft's biggest uh, franchises, uh, most celebrated franchises, Rainbow Six, and they created a, um, a really uh, focused PvP core loop that was, um, back then, their aspirations were to create an eSport. They didn't know if they had an eSport because, you know, you don't know that you have an eSport until the community deems it so, but they put in all of the all of the necessary elements for this game to be, um, you know, to be a competitive meta. And that's and a big part of that has been the specific um, abilities and the, um, you know, sort of the risk-reward of each of the operator styles. And that's something that, um, you know, other games have loadouts and weapons and different loadout combinations, but really, like, uh, what we've, you know, what the game team has introduced here has essentially been chess, you know, it's like these characters are very bespoke in what they're supposed to be doing, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that, that that commitment, that, you know, kind of leaning into that entirely and jumping with both feet has allowed Rainbow to really sort of um, stand apart from, uh, from other tactical shooters. Yeah, it is, it is such a crowded space in esports, arguably the most crowded between it and MOBA with Call of Duty, CSGO, Overwatch, all being these different variations of first-person shooters. You described it a little bit like chess. I would love for you to expand on that strategy aspect of what, for somebody who might not be familiar with Rainbow Six esports, how does a match play out and what differentiate, or differentiates it from some of those other FPS games? I think that, you know, um, I use chess very loosely. <laughs> so, just, you know, I, I think that when I, when I say chess, I mean, I, what I really mean is, um, you know, pieces, operators, so they have specific I see. roles, right? Like they have yeah. specific um, pros and cons in how they play out. And so, um, and so it's almost, as, it's almost MOBA-like in that when, uh, during the, um, during the pick and ban phase, like, watching and kind of um, seeing the, the commentators talk about players and who they're going to pick and you know uh and whether or not it's 
smart decision or even kind of speculating on the strategy of why they picked this operator in this situation. Like that is, I mean, that's at the, the crux of the rainbow meta. You know, that's like, that to me, the attacker defend meta is, is what defines the game. And the operators bring a bunch of different strategy and color to that. So, you know, from, from the basics, like you have, you have attackers who are trying to, um, who are, who are essentially breaking into a fortified house to accomplish um, goals such as defusing bombs or rescuing hostages. And then you have defenders who are trying to, you know, kill the attackers if they come in. So uh, that's that's the basic sort of table setting. And then you have um, elements like destructible environments. So uh, again, I am seeing another tactical shooter um, with destructible environments and having destructible environments and being able to basically carve your own path through the through a, a building um, guarantees that really no match plays out the same you know, every time. So, hmm. you know, uh, you have your choke points, but you could also play mind games where you decide to take other routes. And so it just becomes this sort of cat and mouse of which way are they going to go next, uh, you know, and uh, there's a lot of sort of anticipation based on um, the style of the other team and kind of figuring out, well, where do you think they're going to go? We should go here. We should, uh, we should put a drone here and watch this. You know, so um, there's just a lot of the possibilities are literally endless, and um, it's a very, very interesting environment for both our casters and analysts to discuss. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that that the depth of the game is also another reason why, um, you know, when you look at Rainbow Six uh, professional match um, thoughts on YouTube, I mean, the it's the the numbers of viewers that we have on our YouTube videos for our matches are unheard of for esports. It's just like insane amounts of views and so um and that was really eye-opening for me too and what that tells me is is that um, this game is so deep and the meta is so complex um and uh and there's so many ways to play this game that um you know uh, aspiring players are studying um the best players in the Mm. world and literally studying them and and watching the matches uh like they would you know watch a football game in in rewind so um or a fighting match right Uh, so it's to me, I, I've just never seen a game like it, and it's super exciting to see what we can take it. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting interesting things in that answer. The malleable environment is so unique to esports. You know, in CSGO, locations are so entrenched in players' minds that you can call out things and people know exactly what map and what point that is. But then having, you know, being able to blow holes in walls and open up new pathways really adds an interesting layer of strategy that I I can't think of another esport that really that really does that. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a little bit like you know it's almost like three D chess. Like you literally have to think vertically. Like I mean, people could blow a hole in the floor and shoot you from above. Like it's just there's <laughs> um, like there is there's so much to this game, and um, you know, and I think that that so while that's a, a, obviously a positive to um, to the depth and sort of the mastery of the game and why I think why our fans are so um, passionate about it. But it's also a challenge, right? Because um, there's, you know, 40 some operators, there's so many operators, so many different possibilities and combinations of strategy. Um, environments destructible. You can, you know, you can blow a hole in a wall, sit there and shoot people through holes. It's, uh, you know, there's so much variation to this game that um, it, you know, I think viewability is, is something that we're taking seriously. Like, you know, I think for, obviously for core fans, um, 
they have no problems following along because they play the games. They know exactly what's going on. I think if we really want to think about um, you know continuing to level up our viewership and growing it, I think uh, viewability and uh, sort of um, being able to address uh, you know the, the learning ramp of your average viewers and making them understand what the meta is and how um, like what they should be looking for in a match or if they mm-hmm. use this operator, what does that mean to the overall flow of the game? Like all of those things, I think that's incumbent on us on the esports side, on the storytelling side, um, on the caster side to articulate and, and to really bring bring our viewers along on that journey. So, um, you know, that's a it's a challenge, and it's something that uh, we're we're committed to um, to leveling up as well over time. So, uh, so yeah, definitely, uh, it, it's both you know awesome as well as uh, I think an interesting challenge for my team. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I don't envy the casters in that situation. Uh, I wanted to circle back on a comment you made a couple answers ago, and that was that an eSport isn't an eSport until a community deems it so. And that was that was something that was definitely true for eSports a while back, but I think that's changing a little bit. You see games like Overwatch, which is designed almost immediately to be an eSport. Blizzard was going to make that an eSport no matter what. And I would say a game like Rocket League probably also was designed to be an eSport immediately. How have you seen that change in eSports where games used to be released and then third-party tournaments would pick them up and the scene would build and then say like League of Legends is a great case study because League of Legends is out two years then Riot eventually starts holding events in it. So how have you seen the eSports industry change and move towards you know, creating games that are designed to be esports and are going to be esports from the ju- from the jump, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think that's an interesting observation. I think that um, you know, for me, uh, I think that that you know what I said still holds true in that um, you know, uh, I think what how the game industry has changed you know, when, when, with the uh, with esports kind of exploding over the last decade has been that um, you've just seen more developers commit um, more resources to designing um, experiences or designing features that would facilitate an eSport. So for instance, a, a new game comes out and it has you know spectator mode built in or mm-hmm. a tournament mode built in or it has you know different it has uh, you know director mode or different things that enable you know easier streaming or easier storytelling. But at the end of the day, I think it still needs uh, a community that cares. Like, you still need an ecosystem where, um, you know, it starts with, are there enough players, first of all, like, you know, are there enough players, you know, playing daily, monthly, so that um, so that there's actually, you know, sort of a, a, a healthy ecosystem of players who want to challenge each other and who want to keep playing. And I think once you have sort of a, a critical mass of players, then what happens is, you know, um, you have... Uh, industry parties come in to um, to try and um, organize, you know, and monetize against that that, that energy. So, um, but you know, in the early days, esports was really a grassroots movement. Where you know, if you look at the FGC, it's just like, hey, oh, you yeah. know, um, people getting together at arcades or in each, at each other's houses or yeah, hotels, you know, they bring their own controllers and sit around a TV and they just compete. And it's like. It's a, it's essentially it starts off, it started off as a grassroots activity. Um, I still think that the grassroots of esports is still uh, essential, and it's something that we're going to look to investing um, for sure. Because you know it's not just about spectacle and sponsorships and, and big money. I mean, 
all of those things are nice. But at, for us at Ubisoft, esports is, uh, you know, first and foremost, it's, it's an engagement strategy. Um, you know, it's like uh, Rainbow Six is a game that's been out for nearly four years, and um, it's it's actually grown year over year as opposed to decline. And that's because the approach the dev team has taken to uh, to Rainbow Six has been to, to really essentially treat it like it's a platform. You know, right now, uh, you know, the game is the platform, and people are are coming back to Rainbow as if it was just it's it's a it's almost like an MMO. Like it's a platform. They have they have their their in game careers, and so in, in that in that sense, you know, uh, for us, uh, developing grassroots grassroots esports, grassroots activities, giving the grassroots sort of um, aspiration that. That's, that's just a part of the, the games as a platform strategy for us. You know, like mm-hmm. we want them to keep playing. So esports is sort of that tip of the pyramid aspiration for them. Um, and how they get there is, well, they're just gonna, you know, they're just gonna jam, jam the in-game ladder, uh, and they're gonna play as rank mode, and they're gonna, um, you know, play as their tier until they're better, and then they move up. And and for us, like that that whole ecosystem, uh, for me, still means that. You don't have an esport until your community says you have an esport because without the community, without their energy, and you know, uh, and them coming back day after day to play your game, um, I think you're going to find it really hard to have a real, sustainable uh, ecosystem that uh, you know that other third parties can build a business around, and or that you can, as developers and publishers, justify um, just, you know resources and manpower against creating new content. So, uh, so yeah. So, no comment on the on Overwatch League or the other games. But for yeah. me, the strategy that we have is the right strategy for Rainbow Six. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you got to go soon, but there was one last thing I wanted to ask about. I think we could talk about grassroots and esports and how the ecosystem is evolving for a while. But I know you're you're a busy man, so I wanted to ask you about the decision to open up R six to third party tournament organizers. And I think that gets into the grassroots aspect of it a little bit. But why did you feel? Like it was important to have the ESLs of the world and the facets and all the different third-party organizers um, be able to hold events in Rainbow Six if they want to and if it is agreeable to you guys. Um, well, I think first of all, you know, it's that um, I think uh, having an ecosystem where it's not just Ubisoft, um, you know, investing, but it's everybody investing. I think that. All, I think all that does is it just it creates um, more opportunities for our players. It creates, creates more programs for our, to to engage our players, and it creates um, you know uh, essentially uh, business opportunities for third parties uh, to, um, to to take Rainbow and and invest. And that that's something that we get benefit out of, right? So if if our game is the platform, well, we want we want third parties to develop. Uh, you know, additional opportunities and, and experiences on top of our platform. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so the decision, for instance, the, um, uh, the minor that uh, we recently announced uh, in Las Vegas, um, you know, with Allied Esports at the Esports Arena at, at the Luxor Hotel. That was an opportunity that I saw, um, you know, where I was like, hey, uh, here is a partner that is hungry to get involved with Rainbow. Um, they see it as, as a way to, um, you know, to... To level up their production, they want to. They want to get involved with Rainbow because it's growing. Well, uh, why not work with them? Why not have them invest in a minor so that um, one, we can see how they do, and two, uh, it's that opportunity is something that uh, now our players have um, more 
uh, chances to play and compete. Like if they didn't do it, um, you know, we weren't we weren't about to go and you know put on the minor ourselves. And so it's just it's just extra. It's just adding on top of what we already have. And I think it it's only good for our players. And um, at the end of the day, it's all about our community and our players. Yeah, that is the best approach, I think. Focus on the community, focus on the players, and the eSport will develop like it has over the past four years into now the Season 9 Finals coming up. So I wanted to give you one last uh, open mic. We got I know you got to go, so let, let me know if there's anything uh, you want to say way, about... Um, yeah, well, let me... First of all, I want to um, invite you out to... Uh, to our Raleigh major, if you um, if you haven't heard of it, it's uh, it's on August twelfth um, in Raleigh, downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. So okay, uh, it's going to be epic. Um, my team is organizing it. Uh, I've been I've been kind of um, following along what they're planning. Could be really cool stuff there. So um, uh, work with Anthony. I think he can get you there. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So uh, you should come out. You should you should hang out, chat some more. Um, and, and the other thing I'll say about um, sort of. Uh, it's going to give me a platform. You know, I guess, I guess what I'll say is, um, you know, I think Rainbow is extremely exciting, and that is uh, obviously our crown jewel today for esports, and we're going to continue to um, to level it up and invest in it. And um, you know, right now, in fact, we're working on 2020 plans. Um, nothing, uh, obviously, nothing specific to announce today, but um, mm-hmm. everything that we're working on that I, that I have been involved with, that I, that I see uh, across our um, European counterparts as well. Um, it's been really exciting. I think that I'm really excited for next year. Um, you know, we should be able to talk soon uh, in a few months. Um, but that uh, you know, everything we're talking about right now is just, it's doubling down on a lot of the philosophies that I've already said, and it is. Um, you know, I think that as we saw, we have really strong regional regional strengths as well because we because of the way we're structured. So between the European side and the North American side, I think um, there's a lot we can do to. Regionalize and to like lean into regional stories uh, and shoulder content and things like that. So, um, so cool opportunities coming up for, for next year. Uh, the other thing that I'm super excited about, and um, you know, I think Rainbow is definitely um, a part of this uh, of this vision. But uh, you know, as I think about grassroots development, uh, something that uh, is pretty critical to that uh, initiative is uh, collegiate esports. You know, uh, I think collegiate is. Uh, it represents, uh, you know, there's like 13.4 million college students today. Many of them are already involved with gaming chapters on campuses, you know. So, uh, and there's like, even, there's even, there's already handfuls of colleges that have adopted varsity esports programs uh, for intramural competitions, uh, as well as using them to entice more student applications, you know, because it's like, hey, I want to go to the university with a cool esports program. So, um, for me, like, uh, collegiate represents this amazing uh, grassroots opportunity where we can we can, we can really develop um, cool storylines, but also you know uh, basically bring on board uh, an entire generation of gamers that um, that can we can convert into uh, Ubisoft alumni. You know, so uh, so for me, like uh, when I think about grassroots, it is yes, like let's let's work on Rainbow, but also uh, you know games like Brawlhalla, you know, which is mm-hmm. free to play. Um, easy to pick up, uh, you know, hard to master as a fighting game, super exciting to watch. Like that is like a game that I think is super ripe for grassroots as well and for collegiate things like that. So uh, part of my charter here is yes, Rainbow Six is our crown jewel, but we're also looking at um, all of our all of the games in our portfolio because at the end of the day, um, competitive gaming and esports uh, is is one of the key ways we're going to um, 
you know, uh, drive a continual evergreen engagement with our audience in the future. For sure, for sure. And I appreciate the invite out to Raleigh. I've got some family in North Carolina, so I'll absolutely take you up on that offer. Be great to actually finally see an R6 event. Yeah, well, I know you got to go. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. All right, Mitch. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed talking to you. So uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon and maybe see you in Raleigh. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll be in touch, and the podcast will go up. Uh, recording this on Tuesday, and it should go up before the R six finals later this week. So, if you're listening, check out the cool. Rainbow Six Pro League finals uh, in Milan. It'll be fun to watch. May the best team win. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right, talk to you. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Che Chow, the senior director of Ubisoft Esports. He is focused, like he said, the crown jewel of Ubisoft is the Rainbow Six Pro League. But yeah, they have some other interesting games he'll be working on for sure. Interesting conversation. And at the end, he mentioned collegiate esports. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, I appreciate it. With the podcast that went up today, Tuesday at noon, was with... Maybe the leader in the collegiate esports space, Mark Deppie, who is the director of University of California, Irvine Esports. And that is unarguably one of the most important collegiate programs around the nation. They have a arena built. They are three-time League of Legends national champions and going for four this coming weekend. So if you're interested in how the collegiate side of esports is developing and looks right now, Check out that interview with Mark, Mark Deppie. And yeah, check out the Rainbow Six Pro League Finals. If you haven't watched a Rainbow Six event, you'll probably enjoy it if you're a fan of FPS games. It's more, they're more like CSGO than Call of Duty, but they do have those unique aspects. We talked about the different operators that provide a lot of added strategy to it. Like you said, chess pieces. You've got your rooks, your knights, your bishops. And they all have to work together. It's all a strategy. It's all organization. Placement of people around the map. Placement of traps. What pathways you open up. What pathways you close. So if you're a fan of esports, you're a fan of the FPS genre in general, and you haven't checked out Rainbow Six, I encourage you to do it. And this weekend is a perfect time to start. Anyways, that's all for this Esports Network podcast, of course, presented by Esports Network. Check out the Esports Minute if you want daily updates on esports news. And check out our other episodes of the Esports Network podcast. A lot of great things in our backlog now. We talk about esports medicine with Dr. Todd Sontag. Talked about the WSOE, which is a great third-party option. We talked with WSOE Commissioner Christian Bishop. And he mentioned that they're looking to hold events in some of those top 10 esports out there. And Rainbow Six is a perfect one now that they're opening it up to third-party tournament organizers. I think right now, depending on what metric you use, Rainbow Six is probably in the 5 to 10 range in terms of popularity, viewership, money, developer support. You know, there's there's a ton of different metrics you could use. But they're definitely in, like, probably 7, 8, 9 range for top esports. Anyways, that's all for this Esports Network podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Che Chow. That's all for this one. Hopefully there's a future one coming from Raleigh, North Carolina.
Adios.